Welcome to Ambient Discourses, conversations with musicians and composers who create musical experiences and sonic landscapes. My guest on the program is Evan Moore, the brainchild behind the ambient music project Tristaria. Evan has four releases on the Tristaria Bandcamp site and is a recent addition to our roster of artists on the Relay Station. His latest album on Bandcamp is entitled Only That Which Remains in Withering Memory. Evan and I had an awesome conversation. We talked about a lot of different things, about the source of our inspiration, our process, the tools, and even just keying into the deeper truths within the cosmos and how it forms our music creation process. Please welcome Evan Moore of Tristaria. Evan, it's wonderful to finally have you on the podcast. And we've just, you know, recently we've included one of your composition, actually a couple of your compositions on the program. And I have really enjoyed the, the space that you create, because, you know, ambient music is, is all about the atmosphere. You're creating a kind of a vibe or an environment. How, how did you, f looking back over your discography, I noticed that your first uh, release, Sketches of the Summer, came out sem September 2022. What, what precipitated you getting into ambient music? What were you doing beforehand? And, and why did you decide to, you know what, I'm going to venture out and, and create music in one of the least popular genres of music out there next to noise? So how did, how did you get started? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a great question. It'll take us down a bit of a, a musical rabbit hole here, but um, I think at the at the end of the day, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to um, you know what I'm doing now with Tristaria, um, and all, uh, also just uh, first off, of course, thank you so much for having me and uh, for the kind words. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and yeah, looking forward to uh, chatting. So, yeah, where where to begin? Um, I guess I've been into music, you know, performing as a musician um, for most of my life. Um, grew up in a musical family. It's always been. You know, I'd say one of my main passions in life, um, you know, started off like I think many people do. Uh, you know, I got a guitar in middle school You know, I was uh, just learning to play, you know, smoke on the water and things. I'm uh, really <laughs> yeah. just starting to um, figure out the possibilities there. Um, continued on, on that road. I ended up, um, you know, I was playing some of the music, music video games at the time, um, which I think is a funny sort of um, younger or you know millennial or gen x or sort of yes. thing to say you know i was playing like rock band and i, I was behind the, the drum kit and i was like oh man this is actually this is super fun um that got me into playing the drums um and just sort of you know expanding my musical universe um and i've kind of actually for the most part of my recording musical output has been very much not on the ambient spectrum mm. um so i played in punk hardcore sort of heavy i'm playing in like a metal band now so really on really almost sonically just totally different oh stuff. my gosh that's a completely different direction yeah and um you know to your earlier point about um you know this genre being not so popular i think i was already squarely in that mindset of like i'm creating for um really for myself you know first um and i think if people want to listen to it and and do listen to it that's extremely gratifying and um mm -hmm. you know, it means a lot to me but at the end of the day um, i'm going to make what you know, feels right to me or what really, um, you know, inspires me. And so I think, um, you know, choosing whether it's, you know, death metal or ambient or, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, thinking, you know, I'm not trying to necessarily get into too much about, um, how is this going to be perceived or, you know, right. how popular is this going to be? Um, so I think 
once you can kind of accept that, um, you have this really un, uninhabited creative mindset yeah. um, and really can you know go any direction that, that feels right to you from there without um, worrying about expectations or anything like that. How did you come to... Because I've met many musicians and being a musician myself, you know, many of us have had, had fallen into the traps of of the the dream the, you know uh-huh. uh get signed uh release a bunch of records go on tour and li- living the dream how how did you manage to navigate past all that to to the maturity of i'm creating music because i want to and if you like it great if you don't tough <laughs> how did you get to that spot yeah yeah that's um I think probably every musician at some point or another is, um, you know, having that conversation. And there, I think it comes down to, you know, sort of because I, I have to think about it in terms of your your life more broadly. Because um, you know, for me, music is one of my many, you know, it's one of my my main hobbies. It's something that I really enjoy doing, um, that I find you know a lot of gratification and uh, maybe emotional release, or you know, it helps me kind of deal with emotions or you know a- anything of that sort. Um, so sort of saying that that's what. I think the purpose of, of music is for me. Um, and so I think if you think you can sort of get into a um, like mindset of wanting to like, or I guess what I'm trying to say is like, how do you fit that purpose into everything else in your life? And so um, for me, I think the stability that comes with not trying to do music, you know, to- like totally full time. Um, and again, sort of the um, lack of expectations or the creative freedom that comes with that. Um, essentially, I think I just reached the point where, um, I, I just kind of, you know, made the decision where I think music is something that is going to be my lifelong passion and that I'm going to put a lot of time and effort into, but it's not going to be my career. Mm. Um, and I, I think for me, it, it was just something that like, like, I think if, if you're an aspiring musician, um, I think the advice I might give you is, um, you should really only try to go into a, a full-time, you know, full-blown pro- professional musician, you know, career sort of thing. If you literally can't imagine yourself not doing that. Right. Um, I think it's 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 a you know such a difficult path, and um, I think you can end up questioning yourself a lot. Um, pretty much all, totally due to factors outside of your control, like yes. how much people like what you're doing. Yes. And that that sort of makes you go inward and say, well, you know, is what is what I'm doing wrong, and do I have to change that? And mm. um, even if you do make it to that level, obviously uh, it's only a tiny fraction of musicians that are really making you know what you say are you know are very lucrative careers and so on. And so I think it's just about balancing that and n- not, you know, none of that is to say you shouldn't pursue that. Um, it's just, be, you know, realizing that that has to be really your total, you know, the reason you get up a hundred percent, you know, it has to be your, your main passion. And I think for me, it just came to where um, I was like, you know, I love music so much, but maybe it's not this thing that I love enough to, you know, go that far into the deep end to um, and, you know, just, um, being able to have, you know, maybe a more stable career path that that can then support me and allow me to do the musical right. things on the side ended up for me being a better balance. But again, that's a, you know, very, uh, I think that's a, a deep conversation that probably every musician is going to have at least once in their life, yes. maybe, maybe many times along their, their journey. Oh my gosh. I, if I had a dollar for every time that I've had that conversation with myself, um, for me, it was finally latching on to the philosophy of stoicism that awakened oh, yeah. my eyes that, dude, don't even invest any energy in the stuff that you can't control because it's just going to bring you suffering and misery. And 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, and along the lines, if you're if you're wanting to be a career musician, you have to it's not going to look the same at, at the way that you think it is cuz you you're going to you you almost have to have this shift of mindset that I am not doing this to create my music and to do my thing. You have to come at it from the standpoint of I am in service to <laughs> the record labels, to the client, to whatever band I happen to be working with or whatever wherever you find yourself you you end up having to pimp yourself out for side gigs and it yeah it's not pretty as you know if you're trying to get into it full time oh for sure yeah, yeah and I, I think um i i find that uh artists that can sort of stick to their artistic vision or um you know not compromise anything um while still kind of achieving this level of commercial success, I think are pretty few and far between. Um, but the ones that, that do manage to do it, I think are really um, kind of astounding in some ways. Um, I mean, so the obvious examples for me are uh, bands like Radiohead, uh, maybe right. Tool as well. Uh, yeah. But just bands that, um, you know, are, are not really compromising on their sound in, in any way that, uh, it, it you know, that kind of comes off, um, but are still able to achieve this really great level of success. Right. Um, and even I think looking back, you know, into the classical era, even um, thinking about, you, you know, uh, classical works that were being composed at that time, um, they were all in the service of royalty. Yes. And so yes. it's, 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 I, I just think that's so weird to think about in, um, you know, these things that are so ingrained into the culture of, West, of Western music um, were, you know, like you said, almost, you know, totally at the mercy of um, just pleading some uh, arbitrary, uh, you know, person in history who happened to have a lot of power at that time. Yeah, it's yeah, it's weird to think about how all those systems interact um, to ultimately influence. You know, this thing that is, I think, you know, I, I want to believe is is sort of pure or that is separate from all of those. You know, which is the music. But of course, you can't really, you know, you, you can't disentangle social and society, you know, context and, and yeah. the person and you know his, things going on in, in history and things. But. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's it's all very uh, fun to think about. Oh yeah, it, 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 and there's lots of parallels there because I mean, to our modern situation, plus with the way that you know uh, patrons of the arts, you know, the rich folk, <laughs> the royalty, the the religious community, you know, that was you know you you served them and they you know they paid you of course and you you know helped sustain your living, but it was always in service to someone else and to actually like you're saying for the radio heads the the half of a one percent or whatever <laughs> the few that are actually able to maintain their own uh creative integrity and make it you know that's that's the pipe dream but you know few of us will ever reach that point let's take a moment to step away from the conversation for a moment and listen to one of the tracks from Tristaria's latest album on that which remains only in withering memory this track is called elapsed moments here on ambient discourses
I have a question. Um, yep. I was looking at your Bandcamp profile, and you use the term sonic self-amelioration. Tell me more about what this, what sonic self-improvement means to you and what your journey has been on that road. Yeah, totally. Um, and thanks for the you know, more specific questions about um, the project, because, yeah, it's, it's really, um, I guess... I'll, uh, getting to the answer um, somewhat circuitously. It's okay. Um, yeah, we will sort of wind back to the first question here about how I got into you know doing all of this. Um, so yeah, like I said, I was playing in in bands for a while, um, primarily on the drums. Um, and so I think what I kind of found was um, I think my strengths as a musician and you know my my the, my the things that I'm that I like doing also are I'd say more on the on the macro level in terms of like composition and, and you know how how pieces fit together and you know how structure uh, how music is structured and maybe how a whole album sort of gives you a, a holistic experience you know sort of takes you from point a to point b in, in a way that is impressionistic or that makes you you know takes you on a, a journey of some sort um and so to me um i had been listening to ambient and electronic music um heavily for really since i was in high school um you know artists like I think Alluvium was one of the first I got into. Um, I was living in Portland, Oregon at the time, where Alluvium was from. Um, and Tim Hecker has been um, another one that um, is pretty much constantly been this really like monolithic influence in terms of how I think about sound and music. And um, so it kind of just got to a point where I, I so something came over me and I was just like, well, you know, I've been listening to this style for so long and I feel like it suits my strengths in terms of thinking about things at like a higher compositional level where it's more about, you know, mood and, um, journey, you know, maybe feeling rather than, um, you know, specific notes and, uh, you know, more of the technical side of composition. So just kind of started dabbling in, uh, you know, a digital audio workstation and, um, you know, MIDI and programming things. And so I think Tristaria kind of uh, came out of those, um, experimentations um after i think i, I sort of had a, a one-off piece uh, i think last february um i sort of hit that the, the brick wall where i was like oh this is you know i just realizing how uh, complex it was and and went off of it for a few months and then i think this past summer really just went back in uh, kind of full steam ahead and haven't um, stopped since mm. um and so yeah going back to the whole Tristaria page and, you know, how it's um, sort of tagged and um, the whole sonic self-amelioration thing. Um, I think part of it for me is I, I, I think I like when pieces of art are like, I, like I like when um, there's how to, how to put this. Um, I like when art respects the, uh, the person who's consuming it. Um, so, Basically, I, I like when things are, I like, you know, there's some ambiguity. Maybe there's a little bit of not everything's not totally spelled out. You know, maybe there's um, things that you have to make logical leaps to some extent to um, uh, to comprehend or even to um, to really interpret. And so I think a lot of that um, is maybe more relevant to like a book or something, which, um, you know, I, I think there's a fair amount of, I guess, literary influence coming in um, just in terms of how I'm conceptualizing the music and, and drawing influence, whether that's like song titles or in moods they're trying to be evoked. Mm -hmm. um, and so kind of, yeah, to just bring that all, all back in, um, essentially I, I 
you know, I like when there's when things are open to interpretation, you know, when, right. when there's not everything so clear. And to me, really, just the uh, sonic self amelioration is it's just a I think it's a, a way of. I think if, you know, on, on one hand, it's very selfish because it's saying um, this this is music that I'm doing to um, really a lot of the time process what's going on in my life mm, to, yeah. you know, put, put it uh, kind of codify emotions or a certain like state that I was in at a certain time. Um, but I think also it's more broadly representative of just how people, you know, what anyone gets out of music and, you know, maybe hoping or in, in some sense that, um, someone else can, li- you know, listen to this music that I've created and maybe feel something similar to what I felt. Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to prescribe what you know how the music should make you feel, but I guess uh, just that it makes you feel something. Um, right. So, um, in my conversations that I've had with other artists, uh, some have fallen on the spectrum of of. That when they create music for them, it's a meditative experience. It's an extension of their meditation time or of their spiritual practice or whatever. Whereas others have, uh, there are some that I've talked to that are on the complete opposite end of the spectrum where it's really more um, methodical. It's more scientific. It's, um, it's about, let's see what happens when we tinker and manipulate these frequencies or patch these different cables together in our, you know, where for you are, are where are you on that continuum or are yeah, you that, everywhere question <laughs> yeah yeah exactly no i think that's something i've thought about a lot as a musician um and so going back to my my background playing in bands um a lot of the music there i'd say that that i was doing with um you know previous um you know rock or whatever kind of outfits um is uh, you know there, there'd be lots of kind of complicated rhythms or you know Way, ways that things are being strung together and, and it ends up being um, especially you know if I'm in the position of more of the arranger or you know again sort of on that that higher level of piecing the songs together um, it ends up getting it's very technical you know we're thinking of we're playing these same parts over and over we're right. you know figuring out if there's just one beat cut or something that's going to make all the difference and it's very much about you know, just over and over and really getting a sense of um, what feels right and getting super into the weeds on that. Um, but I think in I think in terms of um, what like what I found with composing more of the electronic or the, the ambient style is um, ultimately you do have to kind of exist in, in, in a, a continuum or, you know, you sort of move along that at different points. Mm-hmm. So for me, the initial phase of coming up with a, an idea is a lot more of that uh, meditative or it's something that feels very spur of the moment or inspiring you know it's the sort of um you know i think it's it's kind of a cliche but just about how you know you you can't really control when inspiration hits but you're sort of at the mercy of it almost yep. and so in those moments it does feel like it's you know the ideas are flowing and it feels very organic and um extremely exciting to just hear you know see something that never existed before come into the world sonically um and i think that I think you sort of start, at least for me, you start in that phase and then through iteration and repeated listening, it sort of slowly, slowly becomes more analytical mm-hmm. in terms of, um, I don't know, like thinking about, uh, I don't know, transitions between pieces or right. how, the, how the songs fit together into a greater whole or really minute aspects of sound or the samples that you're using or, um, you know, all these sort of things. And for me, the, the difficulty has always been almost like knowing 
when to stop, you know, when, when I've, I've right. gone too deep into yes. something and yes. then I've sort you know, sort of stripped the spontaneity or stripped the magic from it, or, you know, sort of that overthinking side. Right. Um, I wonder, do you have a similar, similar Oh my gosh, is, you, you are speaking my language because this <laughs> is, this has been my process for a while now. I, I, Similar to you, I I kind of fell into ambient music. You know, I, I started listening to it. Um, some of my more notable influences um, kind of actually stretch into the neoclassical genre uh, with Niels Fromm, uh, a Winged Victory for the Sullen. Uh, just oh, I love them. Oh my gosh! I and oh and uh, Oliver Arnold's. I could just sit at that man's feet with my head against his piano and just oh. That would be heaven for me, but but I fell into ambient music because it it was an extension of my self healing, you know, uh, trying to deal with anxiety or to try and help myself sleep better. I am a terrible sleeper. I, ugh. <laughs> but music does kind of help resonate in that. And similarly to you, I've had these experiences where okay, I've sat down and I've just improvised a piece but now I need to kind of pick this apart a little bit and actually put maybe put a little bit more structure a little bit more thought into it and I I like the way I like the way you put it that that you find yourself on the continuum or the spectrum at different points you kind it's almost like you're putting on different hats or roles as you move through the production of a composition, you you start with the inspiration, the start with the creative, you look for that spark or that connection to the universe, and it flows, but then you have that point where you kind of got to go back and let it breathe for a little bit, and then, and then go, all right, what do I realistically need to change here? <laughs> and I think that that's one thing that we... Maybe, and I don't know if it's just me, but I think as musicians, we have a very difficult time um, being willing to critique our own inspiration and look for look for the areas, the little bits here and there that we could refine along the way. That's been my experience. So it's, it's really interesting to hear that that you you've kind of fallen into a, kind of a similar pattern. Yeah, totally. And like I, I think. For me, um, personally, it becomes progressively less fun. You know, the more technical you go, yeah. it becomes eventually it's it's kind of a slog uh, at some points. And so the way I've sort of uh, I, that I that I've dealt with that so far is um, essentially, you know, riding the sort of creative uh, inspiration wave until I feel like, until it feels like a chore yeah. and then, you know, set it down for a while yeah. and then maybe move on to something else and, you know, ex- you know, ride, ride that for a while and then. Um, you know, and so on until eventually you, you've sort of, you've had time to let things sit, you know, you've sort of ruminated on it and maybe you're feeling like, okay, I'm ready to go back and, you know, inter- you know try, try to um, get back into that, you know, sort of uh, editing or that, that more critical phase. And it, and it, and it feels like, um, I don't know, it's, it's just more something that you actually feel like you want to do. You're not like burned out on it. Right. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I think gi- giving you that distance from the music, um, that's, I, I think that's how you know that it has, staying power or at least that it doesn't suck because if you you know if you're listening to it at you know say like three month intervals for a year and, and you're still kind of getting the same feeling or vibe from it that you did at first then it, i think at least that means you know it's it's not uh, it's not garbage 
Um, you know, I'll, I'm not going to, I'll leave the objective, uh, you know, measurements of, of quality to, you know, the listener or whatever, but at least I think to you, it means that it's, it's something that is worth putting into the world. Right. And so that's, I end up, you know, I, I you, you might notice on, on the band camp, some of the releases, um, are, they, they can be a little bit, uh, kind of in chunks in terms of time, or maybe there's uh, a, a month or two where, uh, more stuff comes out and then long breaks and so on. And it's hard to tell now cause there's, there's not that much stuff on there, but, um, at the moment I'm actually sitting on five different releases that are forthcoming, you know, kind mm-hmm. of in different stages of being complete that are, you know, just been sort of, some of them go back to like, uh, last August. Some of them are, are very recent and it's just about, um, I'm trying to be more deliberate now with really convincing myself that something's finished um, by you know, giving it enough time to breathe and making sure that I've listened to it on you know many different settings a bunch of times. I know that there's no because t- even if there's this one tiny nagging thing that, that you want to change before you know, but then you put it out. I think that thing is always going to be in the back of your mind. Yes. Um, oh my! The God. thing is, you're never going to totally get rid of those, but at least trying to do it, you know, to some point. So at least the obvious ones are gone. Yes, get rid of the obvious <laughs> ones. Oh my uh, gosh! Yeah. Oh, I've, yeah. There, there have been so many compositions that I've released. Uh, so like the year of 2021, um, I was like releasing stuff every month. You know, just lots and composing frequently like just i was on a mad you know (laughs) crazy creating and i don't think i gave myself enough time to breathe and allow those compositions and so a lot of them you know i just i just pushed them out the door and i rationalized it as these are just snapshots in time i didn't care as much of them being refined compositions it was just like well that was a moment <laughs> for good or for bad. But to your point, you get those moments where you're like, oh, man, I can't believe I let that slip. <laughs> no. It seems so obvious in retrospect, but at the time, it's so easy yeah. to get caught up because, it you is. know, I think it's the sort of like that snapshot mentality. Like, I think to be like, don't get me wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, I think there's been lots of really amazing music that has been put out, you know, with that mindset. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's hard to know at the time, you know, you, you have to sort of make a snap decision of like, do I just put this out now or do I sit on it? And right. yeah, it, it can be hard to know uh, what, you know, what a particular piece or, you know, maybe how external factors in your life might affect that. I don't know. Yeah, it gets complicated. It can be complicated, but I, I think that um, when, if you, I don't know, there there's, I guess to, to try and force myself to put myself on a, the the flip side of the conversation that forcing yourself to create and more and more and more and more there's there's a really cool byproduct of course you know when the more that you work at it um, your taste refines your ear refines so so there's probably uh, something to be said that you know maybe you maybe you can't even get to the where you are today without without the journey of all right well i put out that half assed release (laughs) but in the process of doing so you start to recognize well that worked that didn't work that was really nice and then you start to build this arsenal of of approaches and methods and tools to um create 
Let's take a listen to another track from Tristaria's latest album on that which remains only in Wither and Memory. It is part one of the namesake of the album on that which remains only in Wither and Memory, part one, here on Ambient Discourses.
dipping into the more technical side of things, what what do you what do you favor when you're when you're creating? Do you just uh, heavily rely on a DAW? Do you use external synthesizers? I mean, I everyone has their own preference. What what do you, what do you like to do, use when you're composing and creating music? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm interested to hear your answer to this as well um, <laughs> a- afterwards. But yeah, so I'll, I'll just say I think. Um, Overall, um, I still feel very new to, you know, electronic music and, you know, I guess at least the, the performance and production side of it. So, like I said, I think this, the sounds and the timbres of it, um, my ear is very tuned to because I've been listening to it essentially nonstop for, you know, over a decade. So, so that side of it I feel comfortable with. But the actual process of creating those sounds um, is, is something I'm still definitely learning. Mm. Um, and so what I found because um, I think to, to your earlier point, I think I, I really, really, really agree with what you said about, um, you know, sort of having to go through the journey in order to make, you know, to, to know what, what you're what you're good at and what, what sounds good. And, you know, having to do things in that more snapshot way as a, you know, because I think people can get so in their own heads about like, you know, this, you know, my, my album needs to be the perfect album. I mean, it needs to be like the one that I, you know, the, the grand vision I have in my head. And I think um, realistically, you need to make a dozen, you know, a dozen albums before or more, you know, before you get to that point. So um, for me, you know, starting off, it's just the, the question of how to make it is just what workflow facilitates ideas going from my head to me hearing them back in the most streamlined way. Right. So upfront, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to just play with different sounds, just create things, um, see what works and what doesn't. And so to that end, um, what I found is just working in the DAW, you know, I'm using Ableton, um, just working live um, and, you know, using all of the incredible variety of uh, packs and, and sound packs that come in and mm-hmm. thinking about how to apply effects creatively and using the sequencing capabilities and so on. Um, all that has um, really been the way that for me that I'm able to, you know, like I said, it's just go in and, and make music. Um, so that's yeah, pretty much just thus far. Um, I'm using um, a, lo- a few, a little bit of field recording. So I'm going out, um, you know, just with an external recorder, putting those into Ableton. Um, it's pretty straightforward stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I have a lot of uh, kind of big plans for where where I I want to go. Um, some modular synthesis is, is involved. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, yeah, but that's still still very early yep. on. But um, yeah, so, so far it, it's been pretty simple. But yeah, interested to hear on on, on your your end too because I know. I mean, everyone's workflow is a little different, and there's so much to learn from. You know, right, I know. There's on the the you you hear, heard me perk up when I mentioned modular synthesis. There's, <laughs> oh yeah, there's, okay. There's a I have not even. Uh, that's that's one area that I've been still trying to nudge my way into. There's a oh, okay. there's a few guys that I've met that are really skilled with it, and they've they've got one guy uh, uses actually a virtual rack. Uh, he used uh, VCV rack, I believe it's what it's called. Yes, um, I'm playing around on that. And and uh, there's a couple other that I've seen that and talked to that actually have their just full on rack rigs and stuff, and they have thousands of dollars invested into this equipment that their wives are just going to not know what to do with when <laughs> they pass on. For me, it's. It's really, I, I really um, identify with your comment about how quickly can I get this idea or this ambient, this atmospheric feeling in my head out into notes. 
So for me, the fastest way is dot uh, through the DAW. I use Logic Pro, um, and I've got a whole host of different libraries from native instruments, uh, from also from Arturia, um, and a variety of other different ma- uh, providers and manufacturers and creators. And for me, I. I like to tinker and I like to go, you know, just kind of experiment with different sounds at first. And when I just, when I get that spark that goes, oh, I really like this. And then I'll just start to play with it. And, you know, and I'll try different chord combinations or maybe it doesn't work well with chords at all. And maybe it's all about the subtlety of here's two notes and I'm changing all of these parameters to structure and shape and mold the sound um, in a way that is interesting to me. Um, one of the, one of the things that I really have a fond appreciation, like if, if I come across an ambient musician that has really mastered the ability to create resonance between both channels, just kind of that slow alternating frequency, it's, that's pure bliss for me. Um, I've mentioned this on one of the previous episodes that one of the things that lately that I've been doing is I I will take my external uh, my Bluetooth Bose speaker and I'll just crank it and I'll just either set it on my chest or I'll have it up above my head and just let the sound wash over me and vibrate my brain and all and it's just. It becomes this kind of three-dimensional experience with music. It's it's you feel it in addition to the, the your brain processing it and you know the, the how it all passes through your ear canal and and how you respond to sound. But I I like the idea of feeling it as well, um, which there's something to be said about that because then for those when I when I think about people who struggle with hearing loss or um, have different hearing related disabilities I think that ambient music has a great potential to become a beautiful source of experiential music for persons who can't hear but they can feel so like ambient music there's just this there's so much opportunity for texture and fluctuations of resonance and so that's i get really excited about that type of stuff and so when i when i come across a sound library or um maybe a setting that i haven't experimented before and it starts to trigger some of that that feeling of like you're immersed in the music um then i just go for it and then and then i'll just improv it out as as best i can and if i need to go back i'll you know the beauty of midi my favorite thing of all is being the goal oh that was wrong note beep (laughs) you know making little tweaks here and there and that by and large has been my process but i've started to experiment more and more with okay now similarly to you i've been starting to dabble with field recordings as well Plus, one of my one area of music that I've been drawing from inspiration, which feels like an unlikely source, is psytrance. I'm 
I, I I really had my I really got into techno back in my twenties. You know that that was when I was you know I was like, it's great, but you know eventually I got kind of tired of it because it all sounded the same. But Psytrance, one of the things that intrigues me about it is their use of ordinary sounds and samples, things that to the average listener don't sound musical. And they find a way to make it musical. And they find a way to maybe even include it as a part of the rhythm or the texture of their pieces or of their, the, um, (laughs) but it's this idea of finding the musicality in the ordinary and in the everyday things. Um, one other thing, and I'll, (laughs) and I'll let you respond to all this, but, the uh, um, one thing that I've been working on trying to do, and I mentioned this in another podcast, so this is probably getting redundant for the end listener. But um, I, you know how you can blur your, you kind of cross your eyes a little bit, and you kind of start to you lose all of the focus, but then it becomes this wash of color and hues and stuff. Trying that from a sonic perspective of like, okay, how can I? blur mentally the sounds that I'm hearing to kind of hear the texture, hear the musicality the musicality of a car honking their horn or traffic or walking by a building with that's venting out gas or whatever and it's making lots of noise finding the musicality of that so that's that <laughs> all that to say that's what I do <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where my musical journey has led me and working predominantly with it within the DAW environment. Awesome. Yeah, that's super cool to hear about. And um, it's definitely raised some things um, that I had just never even thought about, um, which is uh, especially given that I've um, been familiar with the genre for so long is super cool. Um, like with the, you know, more of the um, vibration and sort of the, the more f- like physically feeling it side. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you always, it seems... I think it's 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 obvious that you know you 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 know that when you're at a, a big concert venue you know and there's there's the music playing out of the speakers you do get that sensation of you know maybe the bass drum is you feel you feel it in your chest or something like that um, but thinking about actually harnessing that and I think especially um, like you said maybe like using it for like therapeutic uses and yeah. you know, people who are maybe deaf or otherwise um, experience the music differently that's that's super cool um, so definitely something I'm interested in. You know, thinking about and learning more about. Um, I think with the uh, with the sample sampling too, that's also really uh, a fun discussion and you know way of thinking about things that I think can be pretty mind expanding at times. Um, you know, I'm sure pretty much everyone is familiar with the John Cage composition uh, 433. Um, you know, just in terms of really this idea that um, you know what I think in a lot of ways what we call music and not is arbitrary and it's because something something or someone is telling us what's music or not right and you know even you know we've seen like noise music for example um probably some amount of you know decades ago um you would have just been like like there, there's not even a world where that would be conceived as music and then now there's whole blossoming subgenres and you know people that are yes. doing um you know maybe really profound things in that space um and i think but even taking that further into found sounds and you know, think environmental sounds and, you know, these sorts of things and really expanding what you think of as music. 
because um, I think it depends really on the context in which it's presented. Mm-hmm. And so if you're artful in constructing how you, you know, use those samples or arrange them or, you know, complement certain aspects of the song, uh, of the music, then you can, you know, really get someone to, um, I don't know, I'm thinking of like one of the um, a Stars of the Lid song. Um, it's on the Tired Sounds. I think it's it's like the first or second song, but at the end, there's a sample of like a dog whimpering or something like that. And it, it just has this very profound effect in the music. And it, at least for me, it's something that I find very powerful. Um, whereas, you know, if you just played me that sound otherwise, um, you know, I'd probably, I wouldn't even have any association right. with it. And so it's just about sort of creating these mental connections that maybe might not have existed otherwise. And really just, you know, using and harnessing sound um, in a way that, um, you know, I, I, at least for me, you know, gets people to experience or feel something, you know, whatever that may be that you're trying to get across. Right. And that context is important because without without really presenting the listener with some sort of context, um, it's really difficult to, to ramp up into wherever that wherever the artist is, whatever their intention is and whatever they're trying to communicate. You need that context. You need that environmental space to provide a ramp some sort of ramp for the listener to to make it a little bit more accessible. I think about um, there's a visual artist. Uh, his name is Olafur Eliasson, uh, very famous um, Icelandic um, artist, and he describes the art described art as requiring the presence and engagement of the viewer or the participant. Um, with your art, where does your balance lie between self-expression and any desired outcome that you have for the listener? I I know that we talked about not placing too many expectations, but yet we're human. We we have you know we have some sort of desire. Um, where where's that balance for you between self-expression? Yeah, for outcome? sure. I mean, yeah, I think ultimately the self-expression side um, does come first, but it's almost like, um, you know, music is made to be listened to, um, in my in, in my opinion. I mean, I think you could argue some really, like, noisy things are not super fun to listen to, at least in, in my opinion. But, um, you know, and, and maybe that's the point. Maybe they're trying to be as unlistenable as possible, but maybe some people think that's cool, and then, then that makes them want to listen to it. But um, right, right. That, that kind of stuff aside, um, you know, I guess the way I would think about it is I'm making music that I would want to hear, which I think is a pretty, you know, that I don't, that that's a pretty normal way. I think of thinking of right. conceptualizing, you know, how people do it. So, you know, in that sense, it's like, um, if, if I am, you know, constructing this piece in a way that sounds good to my ear, which, you know, I, I want to believe is, uh, you know, at least, you know, has listened to enough of this style to, to you know, have at least some sense of, you know, what, um, what is effective and what's not. Um, and then, you know, working to try to sort of uh, reverse engineer that and replicate it um, in terms of what I'm doing. Um, so it's really, you know, I am thinking about things like, um, and especially with a lot of the Tristaria stuff um, so far, it's a lot of it is very long form in the sense of um, even if the songs themselves aren't long, they're sort of stitched to, you know, uh, blended together in a way that they, they, they do uh, give this sort of, you know, more cohesive, experience if you choose to engage with it that way right you know so i track transitions and things like that and so you know for me it's about that's always like one one of my favorite things about albums of any genre is just when there's that attention to detail in terms of making it 
this continuous experience instead of just a bunch of you know singles, a bunch yes, of songs. Yes, yes, hundred so percent. Yeah. So, so you know, thinking for me, it's like I, I want that in the music, and I, I want to you know put in the effort to make it happen. And so, hopefully, if the listener also appreciates that style, then you know they can go in and listen from front to back, or listen to you know one sub piece that's within that. And um, I don't know. Hopefully, feel. Again, I, I I don't like to get too much into like prescriptivism of like what people should feel, but I mean I know how it makes me feel, and so that's what I would um, you know that's kind of my reference point for how it might make others feel too. Let's listen to one more track, shall we, from Tristaria's latest album on that which remains only in withering memory. This track is entitled "Like Flows of Ice Eventually Melting into the Sea." Here, on Ambient Discourses.
your new album, On That Which Remains Only in Withering Memory. Let's talk about that. Take me into um, step back in your memory to when you were just about ready to open up the DAW and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know what you were thinking, but what 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 was going through your mind? What were you experiencing, and what what was the the kernel that that first seed that kind of sprouted that that release for you, and and the themes that were represented there? Yeah, great great question. So um, I'd say from the musical side, um, it is. Kind of a you know a, as you might expect it's a continuation of um what i had been exploring on the previous releases um you know i had i had a couple like specific um maybe musical inspirations in mind uh in terms of um you know maybe one of the tracks is kind of more you know i, I didn't want to use very many notes um, i wanted to have maybe five or six synth tracks that each only play one note and then it's more about the timbre of those notes and the timing of them in order to create you know so so that it's almost the idea of um you know, imposing limitations in that way um, to see what comes out of it. Um, you know, I was experimenting with a lot more of um, kind of the orchestral uh, sound patches, which were at that time um, pretty new to me. So lots of brass and strings and seeing how those can sound if you mix them with more filter synth, um, sort you know, more traditional sort of approaches. Um, and then, you know, not using any field recordings. Um, so that's kind of where I, where I was at on the musical side. Um, and I'd say conceptually, um, the general, I think the, the the vibe of that album and a lot of the Tristaria um, uh, work, I'd say, is just melancholy. You know, it's wistful. It's um, mm -hmm. a lot. It's a lot about um, just kind of accepting um, things that have really just kind of come and gone in your life. Yeah. Um, that I think it's a kind. Of, it's you're you're in a kind of complex emotional state of, um, you know, without sounding too cliche, you know, just like in you know having these things that these experiences that are that are meaningful to you or these relationships or you know whatever it may be um that really left a, a deep impact on you but that uh for for whatever reason or another are no longer in your life mm. um and just it, having that sort of bittersweetness of you know on some level maybe wishing for some alternate reality where you know you, you could go back and you know just you know all these sort of things about um just the complexity of um you know feeling emotion uh, as, as you as you as you uh, move through time um and all the, the thoughts and feelings that come from that so you know very broad um it, it it does tend to take more of the you know wistful or the melancholy side um but i think at the same time there's also uh, a kind of kernel in there of you know hope and of celebration of at least um you know being happy that um you know you you did get to experience what you did um even for some short amount of time right. so you know lots of um i think just trying to convey some of these you know obviously very complicated um emotions uh that arise uh, in in life yeah i really like these I, I i don't know if this was meant to be like a, a prose writing but i really like what you had written on uh, the, yeah. <laughs> the page for this band camp for this release it and I'll read it out for the for the listener. Like all things born of the ceaseless and universal past, that translucent alabaster of our memories, which lies forever impervious in the mausoleum of time, but subsists through the fallible act of recollection nonetheless. I I was like, wow, we got some sage words here, <laughs> timeless words. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, 
I thought it was a beautiful expression of how we as humans try so hard to cling to sand falling through our fingertips. Yes, exactly. Trying to hold on to that which we cannot hold on to. And I think that it's refreshing to see more people covering this kind of subject matter, um, even if it's just kind of as as a a backdrop or a setting for the music to um, express those ideas sonically. Um, it's I, I found that in stoicism, the this this idea of that you only ever have this moment this mm-hmm. this this experience right now you me and worrying like spending time worrying about the past or starting to obsess about what the future whether or not something's going to come to pass or there's there's something entirely liberating by just you know I'm not worried about the past and I'm not worried about the future either just this moment and so it's it's kind of like the the buddhist monks where they spend um countless hours on these beautiful tapestries made of of sand and uh soil and rocks only to wipe the slate clean and then start all over again there's there's something about that that i think that we as humans really could glom onto and and embody in our life and i think that your work helps represent that thank you yeah that's um i think i you you, you said a lot of things that i also um kind of really agree with and, and find pretty pro- profound um and it's actually funny because my first exposure to stoicism uh, occurred really right at the time that i was composing this release um, and it was, you know, these sort of ideas, um, you know, you know, also being, you know, kind of an anxious person and, you know, being yes. prone to kind of overthinking, especially um, hearing that. And um, even because I, I think he- hearing it is one thing and I think internalizing it is uh, infinitely harder. Um, but I think he- hearing it over and over and, you know, trying to internalize it more and more does help you get to a, a more meditative state of yes. accepting what you can and can't control. Um, and I think to, to your point about the, um, the Buddhist monks, I think there is something powerful and or, or so, something that's that's worth celebrating and just um, the act of doing. And so, like for me, you know, as much as like we talked about before, it's like oh, you know, when you get to the final stages of a project, it's not fun and it feels like a chore and all that. But um, you know, I, I think overall, you know, averaging out over everything, um, you know, we make music because it's fun in the moment. Um, yeah. um, you know, it, at the same time, it gives this lasting sort of a, a you know snapshot or a, 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 cult, a cultural document or an artifact or something you know a, a finished release but hopefully you know at the same time you're just enjoying the process of making the, the sounds and hearing them and you know in that way it's almost um i think you know to, like for the monks it's like it's not necessarily about you know the finished product necessarily it's just the act of doing it i think maybe puts them into this a mental state or something yes. that that uh, you know that can allow you to um, you know get whatever you know you know you, you get what, get what I'm trying to totally say. I totally get what you're <laughs> saying. It's that 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 has been a major shift in 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 my mindset from music because coming to this place where you know 
of trying to discard all of the, the, the programming that we've been sold from the music industry that this is the trajectory. You want to make it? Well, this is the path. Well, no, it's not. It's a path. Probably not even the best path. It just happens to be the most famous path, and it's lucrative, but it's also fraught with so many pitfalls from a humanitarian standpoint. Whereas the joy of just creating music, and that is the reward. Yes. And guess what? The, you all get to, you know, it's it's kind of like those cooking shows, you know? <laughs> like... <laughs> All right, we've made all the things. Oh, and guess what? Here you go. You can try it out. You know, and you might like it. Why not? You know, it's okay. But the joy of creating, the joy of um, expressing yourself um, is second to none. And exactly, I I wish it for every musician, every musician out there that that we all have that experience of you know discarding all the stuff that doesn't mean anything and re calibrating ourselves to to simply be creators and vessels for whatever the universe wants to communicate through us and on that note evan i've really enjoyed our conversation your music is wonderful you can uh for the listeners you can find uh tristari out at bandcamp tristari is spelled t-r-y-s-t-a-r-i-a dot bandcamp.com evan what a wonderful conversation. I, I hope that we can have another one again soon. Um, keep us keep us informed when your next releases are coming out, and we'll keep playing it. And my friend, thank you so much for participating um, and having a conversation with me. Absolutely been my pleasure. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for uh, having me, uh, giving me the chance to speak here, uh, as well as, um, again, some very kind words about uh, Tristaria. Um, yeah, it's, you know, we got to talk about some awesome stuff. I hope, uh, viewers uh, agree. Um, and yeah, I'll, uh, definitely some more Tristaria, um, you know, on the horizon. So, uh, keep an eye awesome. out and, um, look forward to hearing more soon. Uh, Wonderful. So Thank you so much. My sincere thanks to Evan Moore of Tristaria. I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I think he's off to a brilliant start and it's also really refreshing to see other musicians that travel similar paths to the one that I've found along the way. You can find all of Tristaria's music out at Bandcamp at tristaria.bandcamp.com. You can also hear Tristaria on the Stolas Relay Station, featured on episode 3.36. You can find all of the links in the description. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ambient Discourses. I look forward to our next conversation. Bye now.